All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Today on the show, we are joined by John DeJesus. He's coming off a massive win at Bellator 244. John, welcome to the show. Welcome. Happy to be here. It's absolutely great having you back on the show. This is your third time on the show, and it seems like every time you come on the show, uh, you're here to talk about great news. First, you're on the show, talk about your win at 247 over Ethan Goss to win the title. Then you came back on the show to talk about what would have been your defense at 247 right after you beat Josh Roller, and now you're back after debuting for Bellator. How are things in your world? Yeah. <laughs> Things are great, man. Things are going the way uh, we planned them to be. Early on in 2020, we're like, yeah, 2020, my year, this, that, and the third, and then COVID happened and a bunch of other stuff happened. So things were a little rocky there, but deep down inside, I still believe that 2020 was going to be it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a big testament to you and obviously Kama Worthy and other people in your Jim, for continuing to grind during COVID. Uh, you had what would have been a pretty big fight for you, cancel the day of the, of the fight back in March. And take us from March to when you got the call to Bellator. How did all that come together? So that day sucked. As everybody knows, I was getting ready for a fight to defend my 247 title against uh, Jamie Simmons. And it fell through the morning of. I was midway through to uh, get my morning workout in before the fight. And it fell through. That really, that was heart-wrenching. It, it really it, it hurt bad. But it is what it is. I kept on pushing. I kept training. I kept going, you know. And then uh, my manager, Sean Rappaport, contacted me saying that he was interested in managing me. Managing me and... Uh, you know, we were slow to hop on with him at first because we didn't know how this whole COVID thing was going to go. We didn't know if I was going to be able to fight, this, that, and the third. But then he kept on pushing. He kept on pushing, never quit. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. What do I have to lose? So once he, once we signed with him, he said that he can get me on with LFA. He can get me on with Bellator. He can get me on maybe Contender Series or Brave CF overseas. And we had a, an opponent... Uh, that was brought to our attention for Brave CF in Abu Dhabi. And we were excited for that. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Turns out, I don't know what ended up happening with that, but we never heard back from Brave CF. And then Bellator came next, and I was like, yes. It was uh, against uh, uh, Boric. But he didn't choose me, so that was another uh, gut-wrenching loss there. I was just like, damn, can't just catch a break. Two weeks later, they hit me up with another opponent, and I was like, let's do this. Let's just go. I'm ready. And that is the mindset you've always had. Every time you're on the show, you always talk about having that mindset of being ready. So <clears throat> you don't have to get ready, all that stuff. Now, you skipped out the fact that two things for Bellator 247, 244. One is that I think you only signed that contract, what, a couple of weeks before your fight? How far yeah. out did you actually sign for that? It was about three weeks out. Three weeks out. Okay. And then the other thing that at this point, uh, you look like a complete genius taking the fight. But you took a fight against a guy, I don't think we're going to really pronounce his name right, but we'll just call him Vlad, right, who was 16-1 and one on a nine 
win streak out of Russia. And so now he looked great taking the fight, but he was this dominant um, champ making his debut in Bellator. What made you say yes to him specifically? When I choose an opponent, I choose the opponent himself, not his hype, not his record, not his style. I choose him. I'll look, I'll take, I'll even, I'll only watch maybe a video or two and see what he's about. See if he uh, falls, falls under my, uh, under my skill set. You know, there's someone I can beat. And I looked at, I, I looked at uh, boards and he just looked like every other wrestler I've ever fought. So I was like, 16 and one, he fought a bunch of scrubs overseas. Come on, man. I was not impressed one bit. Maybe the world was, the odds makers were, <laughs> not me. <laughs> The odds makers were, I took a look before this, just to uh, kind of, you don't even need to be bumped up at this point, you know, uh, that you've performed on the world stage. Um, but they had Vlad at a negative 750, at least what I saw, um, and you at a positive 485 or something like that. It was massive. Um, but speaking of the world stage, Bellator was already a big audience, but they streamed this all live on YouTube for free, which I think got you before even more. What was it like, uh, when well, we'll talk about Bellator, what was it like knowing that your fight was seen on YouTube by whoever wanted to see it? The whole week, I try to think of it as just a fight. Mm -hmm. I didn't care it was Bellator. Obviously, there were some jitters I went into it, like maybe, I'm gonna say hours before the fight, I started filming a little bit, but as far as performing, when the, when the fight starts and when I get hit, forget about it, throw everything else out the window, I'm, I'm in there for one thing, one thing only. Absolutely. And, and knowing that you're often put up against uh, athletes that have a wrestling background, what confident level did you have going into this particular fight with this opponent who's kind of a push forward, get a takedown uh, type guy? What made you feel confident that you could keep the fight standing? He was just like every other wrestler I've ever fought. I've been working on my wrestling nonstop with Eisen Greenlee and the Matt Factory boys and my MMA coach Ed Sachs. So I was confident going in that I was going to be able to stuff his takedown and touch him from a range that he's never seen before. Well, that definitely paid off. Your striking display was incredible. And I'd say um, as a complete compliment to you that your fight particularly, and really all the um, – all the prelim fights were great, but your fight really showed itself that it didn't have to be on the prelims. It could have been one of the top four, top three <clears throat> on the card. Um, but let's talk about the fight specifically. It went to a decision, and so that meant you had 15 full minutes. So let's break down round by round. What was it like in round one? What was working? Uh, what did you have to change? Kind of take us round by round. Early on, I was just trying to figure out how desperate he was going to be with those shots. So I was taking it nice and slow. I was using my feints, using my jabs, and just seeing what his reactions, what his reactions were going to be, and when he was going to shoot in for that takedown. I knew the takedown was inevitable. I knew he was going to go in at some point, and I was gonna, I was gonna feel his wrestling ability. <clears throat> so early on, I just wanted to feel that. I stuffed a few shots early on in that first round. They gave me all the confidence in the world towards the end of that first round, knowing that. He's just another wrestler. 
Jeez, that's all it is. That multi-time uh, world sambo champion stuff, just just that whole thought process just went out the window after that first round. I was like, all right, he's just another dude, another wrestler looking to do some cross sniffing. Absolutely, and it, it's good to know that your your mindset kind of got confirmed as soon as you actually got in there with him. You were able to say, okay, this is what he is. This is what I expected him to be. I think not only did you have great wrestling defense, I think you actually did use the cage. How significant is you to be comfortable, you know, bracing against the cage, getting up against the cage when somebody has a wrestling-style takedown focus? I would say the cage is my tag team partner. You want to push me up against a cage and try to take me down while using the cage? Go ahead. Go right ahead. I'm going to land some knees and elbows while I'm – Resting up against that cage, you're getting tired, sitting here grinding, trying to get me down to the ground when I'm not even using any energy at that point. So I welcome that game plan all day long. Absolutely. I still think um, that there's a bit of a judging issue. Now, obviously, you, you got a big win. So it's <clears> not like the judges saw it wrong. But do you think the judges, when they're watching a fighter push another fighter up against the cage, do you think the judges – should take what you're saying, which is, hey, the guy up against the cage is resting. They have a more dominant strike ability, whereas the wrestler is actually exuding more energy. Because as of right now, judges see somebody being pushed up the cage as uh, being the aggressor. So would you like to see that mindset change within judging? So I feel like it's a little bit of both. Like, if you got a wrestler pushing up against you, up against the cage, and you let that happen for five minutes in that round, he deserves that round. You know, you let it happen. But if you're sitting there up against a cage, you land a few shots, a few elbows, a few a few knees, and then eventually you get out and start doing your game plan, you won that round. So it all depends on who who uh, embraces their will, who who pushes them what their game plan is going to be the most. And you just described exactly what, what happened there in round one. Uh, so you get into your corner – you just said that you had this mindset that, like, hey, he's just every wrestler I've ever faced. And so then what was the game plan? Or I guess I should say what was the, the next thought coming into round two? So I just had to get comfortable with my strike, and that's all it was. I still, to this day, don't believe that I – I know for a fact, actually, I didn't show Bellator what I'm really about because I still had that. Every time I threw a punch, he was in on my hips, so I had to defend that takedown. Every single strike I threw – he was in there and he was really good at that. So the more the more experience I become in, in Bellator, the more they'll see of me, the more the looser John Black and the they'll see. Absolutely. I'm going to keep going through the fight because obviously we've got the big knee and, and each round to do. But we do need to talk about what Bellator said to you after this fight because obviously – People in the Pittsburgh area, you, your, your camp knew what to expect from you. But I don't think anybody at Bellator actually knew what you'd be performing at against the guy with his uh, record, at least. So, But let's talk the knee. It happened in round two, correct? Yes, sir. And so let's walk through that. That's, that's Obviously, you did a lot of good things in the fight. We don't want to make it just about the knee. But let's talk through the knee and some of the fine-tuned things you did in the knee that I think some people may have missed that I want to talk to you about. So walk us through the knee. So before we even get to the knee, we have to talk about the takedown. Mm. He took me down, stayed on top for, I want to say, three minutes, maybe a little bit more. He was on top. I felt like 
every move I made on the bottom, his hips were just floating. He wasn't one of those type of wrestlers that uh put a lot of pressure on you and try to smush you on the ground. He had a lot of, like, his, his weight wasn't all that heavy, but I could tell he was setting something up. I could tell he either wanted side control or back or wanted me to get up and put in a choke. That's how he's gotten, like, eight of his other opponents was with that choke when they try to get up. So uh, Isaac Greenlee at the Mat Factory about, I want to say, two weeks ago, three weeks, it was right before the fight, showed me this escape from side control that when they're riding high up by your armpit to just shoot that arm across and then sometimes you'll you'll be able to flip your opponent and if he doesn't, if he limps arms, then you could just push his arm away and uh, get up. So I was like, he passed my guard. He did a really good, uh, really good job passing my guard, and he got real high on the on that uh, underhook on the side control. And I thought, right there and then, I thought Matt Factory Isaac Grantley shoot this arm through, get the hell up right now. So he kept crawling up towards my arm. He kept crawling up, and then I don't know where I just shot that shot that arm through. And once I did that, he didn't let go. He just kept going with the momentum. I ended up on top. I I was able to get up. And then once I got up, though, he just rushed me. He just rushed me a bunch, uh, uh, punches and bunches. And he tried to, I guess, get a knockout or whatever, whatever the case was, because he didn't go for another shot. Whatever, I used my movement to circle around. And I saw that he was still coming. And that's when that flying knee is just perfect, picture perfect. When their whole momentum, when they're 100% invested in either taking my head off or taking me down, either one. Either one works for me. I'm okay with either one. He came forward, I jumped, met him midway, and bang, bang, boom. Yeah, it was it was incredible, just absolutely beautiful. You were working knees uh, both before that and after that. You got him a couple times in the stomach, the chest. You know, you're working a lot of knees. So obviously, that you know, that, that just was the icing on top as far as uh, the knee to the head. Now, when you were in air, it certainly looked like you were making sure that you were wise in how you landed and how you adjusted because sometimes people throw a flying knee and it's too easy to get double legged off of it. So what type of adjustments did you do in the flying knee that allowed you to land safely and still have space and, you know, work your striking? I blame my boy Jake Schilling for that 100%. Okay. So my last sparring session before I went out to Connecticut, I threw a flying knee that landed flush on Jake Schilling and he just grabbed my knees midair and dumped me on my neck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I just got to make sure that doesn't happen in the fight. So I made sure that once I'm midair, either start sprawling or start trying to circle off to, to either way, to either side, and uh, make sure I didn't get taken down. And you circled, right? When you threw the knee, you, you circled, right? I was making sure my hips were just disengaging from him. So I landed the knee, and I was making sure I was disengaging as I was landing. Absolutely. So those, those are like two times in that fight. You mentioned your coach showing you a way to get up that you used in the fight. And also then Jake Schilling, who really will become a, a great fighter already is, but not overly well known. And so shout out to Jake. So how, how significant is it for you to have the training that you then can see the exact same situations from training play out in the fight? I mean, that's, that's, that's the game right there. If I need a striker, I got Kama, I got Patton, I got Shaka. If I need a wrestler, I got Jake, I got Nick Brown, I got Dom Maziata. I got the least, the list keeps going on. So for every style that's out there, I have somebody that I can work with 
and I'm set, you know? We got a really good thing going on here in Pittsburgh. And we want to get to that with kind of your future plans. But let's get to round three. So round two could have been kind of frustrating. You spent about three minutes on your back, but obviously being coached right. And, and something that comes up a lot with strikers that end up on the ground, they kind of get frustrated and give up. That's obviously not you um, because you didn't have that much left in the, in the round when you got up. And a lot of strikers will admit later that once they know there's only about a minute left in the round, they kind of just stay down, you know, just kind of, grind out the round or whatever it is. So obviously you getting up, landing the knee. Now you are going into the third round. What's on your mind then? What's the coaching going on coming into that third round? I was actually just looking at pictures that Bellator sent me. They sent like 60 something pictures and I could see my facial expression right in that third round. At this point, I'm seeing blood. He's soaked. My shorts are soaked and I'm good. You know, so I, I was just at that point, and midway through that second, while he was on top, I don't know if people caught it, but I was smiling on the bottom because he was huffing and puffing. Mm -hmm. Midway through the second, so I already knew he was tired. I was still fresh. I just needed an opportunity to get up. That's all that was. So third round, I already knew it was either mine to make a mistake or mine to finish him. And I was this close. <laughs> a couple times I was this close to finishing him. Absolutely. Um, and, and so... When you got to the end of the fight, this is something I mentioned about you. This is something I mentioned about Kama because I've interviewed both of you after fights and I've always said that the two of you, literally your breathing, the way you are carrying yourself after the fight seems like you're just warming up or you just maybe broke a sweat, you know, like jump and rope type thing. And, uh, and I, I don't make that up. I've interviewed you both after fights. I know what it feels like for most fighters, even winning fighters, how they're breathing and how their body language is. Uh, what's it with you and Kama um, with your cardio and conditioning? We're just, we're hard working. That's all it is. We're constantly grinding, constantly working. I'm always going to be in shape. I've always had that my whole career, you know? And so it's just, that's all it is. Staying in shape, staying ready, staying ready to, to for, for, you know what it is? You know what? As a matter of fact, is that while we're in the fight, we're calm. In the middle of a firefight, we're calm. A lot of fighters, they tense up, they get nervous, and that, that all, you know, sucks the energy out of you. So while, while we're in the fight, we're, we're calm, we're relaxed, and we, we know what we got to do. And that actually goes back to you being on the ground there. You were smart with your energy. You had the technique to get up because a lot of times strikers on the ground, when they're being, you know, controlled from the top, they waste a lot of energy, they panic, they don't know what to do. So obviously... So spectacular stuff. So the name John DeJesus is out there more than it's ever been before with Bellator. So what is Bellator coming to you with? What's the game plan, the time frame? Kind of what's the conversation been, if you can talk about it post-fight? Right now, we're just looking for the next opportunity. Uh, we have a clause on the contract saying that if they like what they saw, they can put me back on for another fight. So we're, we're looking for another opportunity to really show Bellator what I'm about and get that multi, you know, that multi-fight contract, that big money contract. So I feel, like, I feel like I entertain the world enough for what I've seen on social media to know that at least they'll give me another shot. And in that next shot, I'm finishing somebody. Sure, absolutely. And I think that's, I've seen your flying knee already turned into a mean and a gif, you know. And, and I think what that's <laughs> is, and we've talked about this, is 
if you look just at records, which you should not do in MMA, you, you've mentioned that you can't do it in MMA, but people do it all the time. It, it wasn't just the spectacularness of your knee. It's also your record coming in into the fight was 12 and eight. His record was 16 and one. So everybody looks at that as saying, wow, this, this guy, maybe the record's not the best and look at that knee. So it kind of brought up your, your viewpoint from a lot of people, which is great. Um, and, and I would hope that Bellator is impressed beyond impressed actually. Um, and so it would be great, you know, for you to get that big fight deal once you get another win with them. Uh, when you're, when you're talking about you and your training partners, obviously a lot's going on. You have a fight, uh, Obviously, uh, Kama's got a fight coming up. What's it, what's it like in the gym? Now that the COVID restrictions are lifting and people are taking fights, what's the attitude like in the gym around you? We haven't stopped, man. We haven't stopped. We've been, we've been grinding ever since, and uh, that's what we're going to continue to do. Shaka was almost on the card with me. I know. So that, that, that's how you know that we've been grinding. We're, we're ready to go to war anytime, any minute, any day. Just send us the information. Send us location. I was going to say uh, Chaka's name when, when I said about fights coming up. I knew he was supposed to be on with you. And unfortunately, it was his opponent that dropped out, not Chaka. He was ready to go on, I think, a little bit shorter notice than even three weeks. I think it was a later edition. Yep. But still, you know, you and your, and your gym around you are really getting a reputation for not only how you fight, which is incredibly well, but also not worrying about people's records and how long you have um, as far as the matchup goes, which is great. So, um Let's get into some forecasting in your life. You've never been shy to talk about, um, even, even when we talked with the Ethan fight. You know, you had your Ethan fight for 247. Shout out to them. Uh, 247 fighting champions. Hopefully they're back stronger than ever after COVID. But at that point, when you fought for the belt against Ethan Goss, you had a two fight. You were coming off two fights that were losses. And now, obviously, you routed off three wins. Um, and so in a year, a year ago in August, you had a two-fight uh, streak, win-loss uh, streak going. And then November hit, you beat Ethan, and then uh, you won again, and then obviously now. So what's it like to have always known how good you could be, and now it's starting to come together? What's your forecast and your predictions? That's, that's, that's me all day long. I've been like – my whole career, people have been telling me how good I am. I just really haven't been able to show it when I needed to. And I'm finally doing that, man. I'm 30 now. I'm touching people. People are leaking, going to sleep. And then I'm putting the whole game together. So come 2021, John DeJesus, my name. I don't even know why I'm even speaking in the third person. But <laughs> my name is going to be something big, something big real soon here in 2021. I'm going to go out there. Hopefully I get this – uh. Adam Boards fight. If he ain't scared, I'll knock him out. We'll call out another vet in Pat Curran. Already looking ahead. Okay. I'm a world champion. I'm looking to knock some dudes out and make a name for myself, man. Obviously, Pat Curran's a great call out because he's a Bellator champ, so it's smart to be there. But get into this Adam guy a little bit more. Have you made that public? What's the call out like with him? What's going on? I've made it very public. Okay. I, made some I made some tweets that uh, if you saw my post-fight uh, yeah, right. uh, press conference, I, I called him out then, too. He knows I want him. His gym knows I want him. I used to train with a lot of the dudes he's training with now. So I think they're the ones in his ear saying, hey, man, don't look at his record. He's tough. We've sparred him. We've been in here with him. 
And look at his record. He's tough. So we'll, we'll see if he takes the bait. If he takes the bait, he's going to sleep. And what makes you target him? Is it the name? Is it the fact that you see a style you can exploit? Why, why him? All of the above. He was in the Million Dollar Tournament last year. He knocked out. He finished Pat Kern. He's a striker. He's fun to fight. He's a lanky, like, just like me. Let's, let's do it. He throws flying knees. Let's do it. That's on, that looks like a blast to me. All right. So you're, so you're calling out somebody to really show off your skills against somebody who's, you know, going to be striking with you as opposed to the wrestling base. So that's incredible. And it also is reminiscent of the confidence it takes to say you got to take one fight at a time, but you also need to know that you're headed somewhere. Right. So if 2021 goes your way, is it you getting uh, a shot at the belt? Is it you getting top 10? Is it you, like, where, if 2021 goes perfectly, where will you be in Bellator's featherweight division? I'm going to be up there, if not champion, on my way there, three fights out, two fights out, okay. making a lot of money, doing a lot of things. <laughs> Well, you know, in the sport of MMA, winning and winning with the style that you have and the exciting style that you have goes obviously a long, long way. Um, and, and you and everybody that trains with you are hard fighters that are constantly grinding. And it's really starting to show in organizations now, both UFC and Bellator, if you listen to some of the commentary, they almost have this mindset of like, where are these people going from? When Kama had his last minute knockout, you know, when he had his knockout last um, summer and now you, Belder's kind of like, well, where'd this guy coming from? So how important is it for you to have really built yourself up to a point now where you don't have to think about, oh, I'm still have things to learn. Not that you don't have things to learn, but you're kind of ready to keep this role going. And um, you want, what, three or four fights next year? As many fights as I can get in, man. Usually three or four is the average, but even if I could get more or if I get two, spe two spectacular knockouts and when you're like, whatever it is, whatever life wants to give me, I'm going to take. I'm going to go after every opportunity. I don't ever say no. So if you want to fight me, just say the word. I'm going to say yes. I'm, I'm going to be in there. So let's do it. Let's get it. Well, as always, it's great having you on the show. Um, who are your thank yous and your shout outs? as you, you've earned the opportunity to really thank everybody you want and really give yourself a great platform. Yeah, man, I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank uh, Aries Agencies, Throwdown, Regeneration Pittsburgh, Legacy Medical Centers, um, Grind for the sick-ass shorts they made for me. Um, my teammates at the Academy, Kama, uh, Justin Patton, Jake Schilling, Shaka Worthy, my other teammates are uh, Nick Brown, Ethan Hayes, Matt Factory, Stout. Pittsburgh stand up, man. It, it's a good time to be a Pittsburgh fighter right now because we're coming up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, Pittsburgh's really probably should have always had a reputation of being a fight capital. It's really starting to get there now. Um, really bringing up fighters from all disciplines. Wrestling, you mentioned Stout, which is a lot more BJJ and obviously striking, putting it all together and really being – Friendly, that's what a lot of fighters don't understand about those gyms you mentioned that you cross-train. And, and how valuable is that for you to be able to, to cross-train even not at your home gym? Right. That was new to me when I came from Florida. In Florida, you're, you're stuck to your own gym, and usually every other gym's rival to your gym. 
I came out here in Pittsburgh. I saw people from other gyms. I was like, yo, whoa. Like the first time I saw Dom, he had just won the belt for featherweight, for Pinnacle FC's featherweight uh, championship. And I'm looking at him like, yo, why is he in my gym? I want to fight this dude one day. You know, so eventually I became real cool with Dom and, and Dalton and everybody else. And it, I've, I've learned to embrace the fact that we all train together, we all get better together, and we all grow together. Absolutely. Well, that's a great mindset to have. It's been incredible having you on the show for the third time. We're just going to keep bringing you back on every time you've got something keep going on. Doves. Keep getting hey, man. Doves. So thanks so much for coming on, everybody. You've been listening to John DeJesus, winner of a massive fight for Bellator 244. So thanks so much, champ, for coming on. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.